Welcome to The Conversation. This is Gretchen. And hi, I'm Christy. And this is Conversations to Connect. You're listening to episode nine, where we will be getting real about grief and loss. I think especially around the holiday season, people tend to get um, their expectations set for what to you know, expect or not expect, Mm -hmm. and surrounding loss, there are so many different kinds of loss, that um, whether it's the death of somebody, or you've moved, or somebody's not in your life anymore, or you've gotten divorced, there are just so many different things that you might be dealing with, and so we really wanted to do a series about all the different types of losses and all the different types of reactions to those losses. Yeah, and we thought that now would be a really great time to introduce that with the holiday season, I think, brings up a lot of raw emotion Mm -hmm. um and you know all of us even if we don't want to have expectations around the holiday we definitely do and so when things change unexpectedly um and we are grieving those things the holidays tend to be a really significant time that a lot of that comes back in our mind so we thought it would be a good time to maybe start this series on grief and loss and the different types like christy said And learning to manage those expectations so that if we decide that we want to do something the same, that's okay. And if we decide that we don't want to do something, that's okay too. Yes. Things change from year to year. Things change from day to day. And as long as you're keeping yourself accountable for being healthy in a sense of you're not harming yourself, you're not harming other people, whatever whatever it is you decide to do, that's going to be the right thing for you. Yeah. And in terms of like grief and loss, I think one of the most important things to me is that people know how important it is to talk about and that it's okay to talk about. Um, all the different like losses that I've gone through, there's definitely a feeling, and I, I'm sure you can relate and people listening can relate, that like maybe I'm not supposed to talk about this. Right. Or if I do talk about it, it's clear that some people are really uncomfortable with right. it or I feel burdensome. Like, I was so just many complicated earlier today emotions. with a client about that who said that, you know, she might run into somebody that she knows in a grocery store or something mm. and can tell that that person is questioning, oh, is it, are you okay? And she's like, I just don't like that question. And that's absolutely true because yeah. you want to put on a good face for people and you want to say, oh, something general, I'm making it through. But really what people want to do is talk about it a lot of yeah. times of saying like, hey, I remember this time that we... We baked cookies with right. Your we mom had this and, experience. Yes, yes. Right. and and that is not going to make somebody miss them even more. Because guess what? We the already worst, miss them. Yeah, the worst has already happened. Yeah. and now that we're struggling to deal with what has happened, we need people to be able to share in what it is that we've lost. Share in those yeah. memories because memories are what keeps people, you know, alive. That's how we live on through the work that we do, through the relationships that we have. Everything that we do is a reflection of who we are as people and how we want to live our lives. Yeah. So honoring that is very important. It's so important. And it, like, never stops being important. So my mom passed away when I was 15 years old. I'm 37, so it's 22 years ago that it happened. And just recently, she passed away on November 20th, right before Thanksgiving. It was the worst mm-hmm. It was the worst holiday season ever. Um, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And, and that first year is kind of like you're just pushing to get through. Oh, Not everything is a whirlwind. Yeah. No so, way. but it comes up every year. Mm-hmm. And so this year I always usually post something on Facebook, just like in memory of or something. And yeah. this year I posted a, a bunch of pictures of her, of our family and growing up. And it was like so... It was so interesting because I had so many people, not just comment on Facebook, but Mm -hmm. actually come up to me and say, like, I really enjoyed looking at those. Like, I didn't know her, but she looked like such a special woman. Mm -hmm. Or, like, they did did know her and they commented on 
what they thought, you know, and so even like my husband's family at Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. one of his aunts said something to me and was like, I saw your post and I just thought how cool it was to see that part of your life that I've never seen before. And like, thank you so much for sharing. And like, we got to talk about my mom at Thanksgiving, which yeah. I never really do. Yeah. And those kinds of things, even 22 years later, made such a difference because it was like, yeah, it, it, it felt so good. You mm-hmm. know, like it does, again... To be in a place where, and we've all grieved something, we've mm-hmm. all lost something, and we all then can feel like, God, should I not talk about this anymore? Yeah. And so I'm even actually, 22 years later, it's like, yeah, no, I can still talk about yeah. this, and so can you. Absolutely. <laughs> Especially when we're talking about death, I think. I'm just coming off of um, a Memorial Day, a memorial event, so to speak, at the Caring Place, which is um, a place here in Pittsburgh for grieving children and their families. And talk about, like, so many different types of losses and yeah. so many different things that are happening. And just watching people come together, again, they want to talk about their person. They want to share those memories. They make um, quilt squares at the caring place. And so the family gets to decide what pictures to put on there, what memories. And for some people, they struggle so much. Some people can't do it there yeah. in public, so to speak. They do it at home. But when they come back and they want to see those quilts all together, they want to say, oh my gosh, this is the time that I X, Y, Z. There's no person that I've met so far that didn't want to talk about that person. Even if it's hard, even if you cry, or even if you're just a person that's sitting there as a presence for people, I think that that's even important to say, you can feel whatever it is you feel around me. Like, you don't have to hide that. Well, that's what I think makes it even so much more difficult at this time of year, whether it be Thanksgiving or, um, you know, like other holidays that happen in December and stuff. And even the New Year is like, okay, so I'm going to this, whatever this holiday event is, a gathering, a party, and people ask, like, not even just, like, how are you doing, but, like, what's been going on or da-da-da-da-da, you know, we, we view the holidays with, I think, this expectation of, like, it's supposed to be a joyous time. And so because of that, again, I don't want to be burdensome. And it is so important that we are allowed to feel the emotions that we have at any time. And so I think it's important, again, just like we had kind of talked about in previous podcasts, when you know you're going to be dealing with family or friends or groups of people who maybe you're like, I don't know if I can do this or I don't know if I can talk about these things to to know that, to come up with a plan, to get that support that you need during this time, um, specific to, be, to the losses and the grief. And to be 100% compassionate towards yourself. Yes. And to say, okay, maybe I want to memorialize this person in this way. I want to bake a special meal. I want to have a special holiday tree for, you know, whatever. Um, I have a client that has a memory tree with... Um, ornaments from all of the people who have passed away and it was really difficult for her to come up with that idea to start to execute it and to say not this year yeah and to just say hey I I was even further I hate to even say further behind but like I wasn't even close to this place yeah a year ago and I came up with something and I started it and I put it away. And if I should decide that next year I want to try it again, right. then maybe that I do that and well, to yeah, be so, okay with that. So no expectations. Exactly. No expectations whatsoever. One of my most vivid memories of that first Christmas after my mom passed away was, you know, like literally, le- you know, I don't know how many days, weeks after we're, we're at home decorating with my dad and my two sisters. I have an older and a younger sister. 
And um, we finished putting the lights on. We finished putting the ornaments on. And we have a choice of tree toppers. I'm sure it was like an angel and a star uh-huh. or something like that. Traditional. And my dad asked us, you know, like, which one do you guys want? And we all just were, like, not into it, obviously. Like, our mom had just passed away. And we're standing there just staring at the tree. And my older sister walks out of the room and comes back with a garbage can and puts the garbage can on top of the tree. (laughs) And stood back. And we all stood there and looked at it. And I remember being like, yep, about right. Yeah. And so we didn't leave the garbage can on top of the tree. But it was something that, like... Very symbolic. It was very symbolic and, like, no expectations. Like, you don't have to be any way at all you know like you there you know there was a long time that I didn't like certain aspects of the holidays and I still struggle with certain aspects of the holidays because I don't get to have I don't have my mom to be Mm -hmm. able to celebrate that Mm -hmm. with and so for again you don't have to do anything that you don't want to do, you don't, there are no shoulds, right? So then it's like, it goes back to the unhelpful thinking. Yeah. You know, like that it should be a certain way or I should feel a certain way. And it's like, ah, man, that just gets you into a really unhelpful thinking space. And it's only going to make you feel worse. You're already struggling with grief. Yeah. You're already struggling at this time of year. And so like adding on another layer just complicates things. Yeah. And when you said that, I thought to milestones too, children that I know that have lost a parent, you're going to go through your high school graduation. You're yeah. going to go through your college if you go to college. You're going to go through your wedding. You're getting go your first s- job, anything like getting my first car, yes. doing like, you know. Yes, and so yeah. many things that you're going to and people will say, "Oh, well this is what I'm going to do at that time." You never know. You never know where you're going to be at. Try to stay as present as you can and as yeah. close to what's happening right now. So today is December the 12th. And so let's look at December the 12th. Let's not even worry about the 25th yet. Right. Like, what's going to happen today? What's going to happen tomorrow? And being really flexible with that. Absolutely. So you were talking about grief and in terms of death. And today, we're going to be actually touching on um, divorce. And that was a difficult time for me. I feel that um, I had almost, well, a year before the traditional Christmas and Thanksgiving holiday came about um, when I was going through my separation and later divorce. But it was hard. It was hard, like, oh, yeah. because for our families, being so close together, it was like other people in the immediate family weren't, you know, having the memories that they had with the other people. Right. And then whose fault is that? Ugh. And who right, the is, finger pointing. Right, is there any kind of blame? And luckily, luckily in our situation, there wasn't so much blame, but there was hurt feelings. Yeah. And there was... Well, this person didn't reach out for a multitude of reasons. They felt awkward. They thought that maybe I would feel awkward. And then that would make me feel like there was something that I did wrong. Yeah. So I think that reminding yourself to surround yourself with the support that you need, whether it's therapy or other family members or friends, the people that you can really sit with and say, like, this sucks. Yeah, that you can be honest mm -hmm. with. Yeah. That you don't have to mask it, that you don't have to hide it, that you don't have to pretend. Sure. Even if it's just one or two people, those are your people. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. And for the first two years, zero decorations. Like, that's just where I was at. Like, yeah. I didn't I didn't want to be, like, a Grinch about things, but at the same time, it was a, that going yeah. through the motions kind Absolutely. of thing. It makes a lot of sense. 
So as we said at the beginning, we are going to be doing a series of these um, interviews, kind of chats with people related to grief and loss. And um, I don't know how many total we're going to do, but we'd like to try and touch on as many different types of grief and loss as possible so that everyone can kind of get a good sense of different types and also hopefully relate to a lot of the different experiences that um, we all go through in terms of loss. Sure, definitely. And always reach out to us if you want to on our Instagram page. Let us know if there's a topic that you'd like to hear or, you know, a special type of loss or questions that you have. Um, Earlier this week, I met up with Corey, who I know from Divorce Care, and we talked about divorce, depression, and the holidays. Hope you enjoy. We were talking a little bit about, you know, the experiences that we've had and knowing each other for years um, through different changes and that how losses affect us and how those change over time. So welcome, Corey. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. And uh, I hope some people find this uh, useful to their lives. I think they definitely will. And I know that, um, so I was in divorce care before you were, and um, I noticed sort of a trend for myself that when I went through it, my experience was much different going back into it. And watching other people. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, um, maybe some of the things that you took from there? Well, the the first experience, um, walking in there feeling like you're the only person on the planet going through this thing. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, it, it's so personal. It's so hard to convey the emotions behind it that nobody else could be possibly going through the same amount of pain that you are. I don't know for you, but I know with my experience, I felt like that there were people that wanted to be empathetic, but they couldn't really understand exactly what it was. So while I appreciated their input, it was really nice to have somebody look at you and be like, I, I really get it. I really get it. Is what you needed. The first thing you need is normalcy. Mm-hmm. When, when this whole process starts and uh, having that stripped away, sometimes not because of your own your own doing, is hard to comprehend as a, as a human mm-hmm. having that experience. So walking into that room definitely was able to put my shoulders down just a little bit for the immediate moment seeing, well, here's 25 other people yeah. dealing with the same thing mm-hmm. simultaneously. I think for from my experience, having that rug pulled out from your whole entire life in just like a moment, can you talk a little bit about what your experience was? Um, did you see this situation coming? Um, like, you know, it only goes down a couple of ways, apparently. And uh, for me, it was... <laughs> Let's the, list those ways. <laughs> it, well, apparently for me, it was the same way. It's kind of the rug being pulled out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when that sudden stop, comes uh everything you're used to every experience that you share with somebody that's habitual or traditional and we have so many emotions tied into those past experiences that it almost demolishes hope yeah for the future yeah you know like your future and your past died with that experience and until you learn new coping mechanisms and and a new way of life and realize certain truths about the experience, people can become paralyzed and lost in that experience for a long time, yeah. if not the rest of their lives. Sure. I was um, in my late teens when I 
met my husband and we started dating and who really knows themselves, you know, and loves right. themselves at 18. So I think that for myself, I tied my identity into that relationship. Right. And then it was kind of like, well, who am I after this? And being so close with his family, the holidays, luckily or unluckily for me, um, our separation began in January. So I had a whole year of preparation and changing of relationships before the holidays hit. But I remember not know, like wanting to spend time with certain people and wanting to keep that connection going that just wasn't sustainable over time. It, it seems during the holiday season, it takes a couple holidays for you to realize things are different. Yeah. You know, and we, we search for normalcy in some traditions thinking, I saw this person at this time of the year, they gave me this gift, I did this thing, they sat at this table, they made this side dish. You know what? The truth is, like, it's over. Mm -hmm. And things are different now, mm -hmm. and you'll never get back to the way things were. And that's okay. Yeah. And that's okay. It takes time to realize that it's okay. I think it takes time to not personalize that it was something you did wrong or right. that you weren't living up to yeah. or worthy of. There's yes. Again, about like knowing and loving yourself takes sometimes a lifetime. It's really? always stripping away different experiences to, to come to that. Um, how about... So for me, I think like the first year was kind of like, okay, this is the first year, got to get through it, so to speak. And then with each year, I slowly started feeling a little bit better because I didn't want to put up decorations or anything. Yeah. What was your role in your marriage when it came to holidays? In, in the, my, my role, I was responsible for everything. I was the tree guy. I was a decorate guy. I was the get the family together guy. I was the make the phone calls guy. I anticipated it. I would continuously emphasize last year's traditions have to be brought up into this year's traditions and and everybody went on board with that for seemingly you know over a decade and mm -hmm. it, and it was great it was real and there was love there and everybody was equally sharing that love in that moment and and I felt it like my my duty to kind of bring Christmas to everybody and not just Christmas this is you know Christmas we're talking about Christmas now but, you know, it could be Halloween. It could be mm -hmm. Fourth of July. It could be Memorial Day. Mm -hmm. It's all these it's all these moments throughout the year, which we celebrate in holiday form, that trigger this emotional response to a divorce or separation. Right. I think that um, when people put this expectation of this is the way sh things should be or I right. have to do it, that puts so much pressure on us to not be able to take a time out and say, I need to take care of myself. Is there anything that you found to be helpful with self-care? Well, first and foremost, realizing that self-care is a thing. Um, a lot of us live our lives, and we are merely an expression of where we come from, our parents' traditions, the street we grew up on, and, and you don't get all the information. You know, and, and you can have a seemingly great childhood and live a normal teenage life and have a good adolescent life. And the word self-care might have never been part of your universe mm -hmm. until something devastating happens and someone mentions self-care. Mm -hmm. And there's kind of a instant fear about that. Like, uh, wow, okay, how did I make it 30 years? I never heard this word. Mm -hmm. And how come it's so important to me? And I know nothing about it. So self-care for me really started with a group like Divorce Care, putting myself 
around people where we could, could where we could look at each other and realize, okay, there are people going through the same thing. But and sometimes worse. I think that right, that is a good right. a good thing to gauge about what what is my circumstance and how could it be better or worse not learning not to judge that right and you don't want and i'm guilty of meeting people and as they're telling me their experience in my head i'm thinking oh um their situation is way worse than mine that that doesn't deny our emotional response to our own our own experience we're having just as a hard time with our experience as that person who's clearly going through something more difficult is it with their experience um, so learning the terminology and then learning to act on it, really, uh, getting through divorce care the first time thinking, okay, I did that. I took in all this new information. How is it applicable to my life now? And do I need other tools and experiences to help me apply these things to my life? And the truth is you do, mm -hmm. you know, and, and therapy was a great first start and could be a great first start for people, mm -hmm. uh, find a new community, uh, yoga, basically new traditions, mm -hmm. you know, and it can be from a, a dietary uh, stance in your life, from, uh, you know, meeting new friends, but that that seed has to be planted yeah. in, this, in these vulnerable moments. Yeah. You brought up yoga. Do you mind talking really quickly or long about what yoga has meant to you and how um, possibly it helped change your view of yourself or your relationships? So yoga, uh, first thing I realized through the divorce and divorce care is that my uh, this whole during this whole process my life has been a series of ruminating false thoughts. Right, the I'm not worthy, the I mess this up. Uh, even if I didn't mess this up, somebody owes me an answer. Somebody needs to explain to me what's going on. Um, the, the problem with this is the mind never stops. If you don't check in on yourself, the self-care term, and, your, and how all your systems work, it will, it will run you, you know? So In forms of distraction, too. Absolutely. I know, like, people work a lot, or they distract themselves with too many holiday plans, and they're not... They're trying to run from what those feelings are, I think, that you're talking about. And usually the holiday stuff can be sad, but eventually uh, it's it's enjoyable for us. If we don't like doing a tree, but then we do do a tree, we end up liking that. It's the different things. It's the, what is my ex-wife and her new husband doing? Are they going to have a family? Is their family going to be better than mine? Are they going to have a dog together when we had a dog together? Do they have your dog now? Uh, if you had children... You know, who are they going to split the time up with? Are they going to think this new guy's better than you or the new mom's better than you? It, it's almost that's how quickly and how deeply the mind can get away from, from your personal experience. Mm -hmm. Yoga, the first thing it did was allow me to reel in all of those thoughts and put a pause on the ruminating thought process. Mm -hmm. Um well, I think nobody that's listening to this podcast can see you, but you don't obviously look like a yeah. yogi person. Right. You have a beard and you have tattoos and you're kind of like a manly man. Mm -hmm. So I would say that getting somebody to find yoga in that way, was that a struggle for you to 
get in the door initially? It, it was what were your thoughts? It was self realization. Um, the fact that no one's gonna help you but you, mm. and depression and anxiety, things that uh, are attached to these divorce situation and the holidays, they those two voices, uh, depression and anxiety, especially like to tell you that nobody's looking out for you. No one's helped you out to this point in your life. Don't not you can't even trust yourself at this moment. It's at that moment you can wake up and realize a thing has to change. Mm -hmm. Things are never going to be the same and they don't have to go back to the way they are, but you need a new perspective and a new approach to the situation and finding stillness in physical expression and meditation through yoga really help me look myself in the mirror and uh, for once really find out who you are and what you're made of. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's that it's that walking into an uncomfortable situation like a yoga class. You know, once you're ready, you're ready. If you're not you're ready, you're not ready and that's okay too. But you have to tell yourself it's someday I hope I'm ready for this. And and it just happened, you know, like you said, I, I, I had a wrestling background, a very physical kind of upbringing, riding motorcycles and four wheelers and dune buggies and, and stuff like that. And all of a sudden someone's recommended me, uh, yoga can really help with all these things that I'm dealing with in my personal and psychological turmoil. And from the first 20 minutes of the experience, I knew I had found something that was going to help. A tool, if you will. A tool, if you will. I, I didn't realize how much it would change my life and how much it would become part of my life. I was happy for the mere 20 minutes of relief that my brain, after dealing with this divorce, after all this time, had finally settled down. Mm -hmm. You know, we project so much of uh, our future, you know, now that I'm divorced, I'm going to be like this. Everything's going to be like this. I'm never going to find love again. I'm never going to love myself again. How can anybody love me? I feel shame of the things that I've gone through. If you're religious, that adds in a whole nother element mm -hmm. to it. If you have children or pets, all these things allow, don't allow you to get to a place of peace. Well, yeah, and I'm happy that you brought up the shame piece because then that becomes so intensely purpose fold like towards ourselves that I couldn't make this work for whatever reason yeah. and we really don't know until a couple of years out the other things that were meant to come into your life or the people that were meant to come into your life the lessons that you were meant to learn that you might not have had you been still stuck in a situation that was no good for you because right. I remember when I first went to divorce care I thought no this this week is anger and I'm always going to stay in anger and I'm not going to move past that and eventually I did th thankfully but um, I think that when you feel that shame about yourself, you're not open to the possibilities. And at the beginning of it, you can't be. You have to be taking care of yourself. Right. Like you said, going to therapy, talking to a trusted friend, doing some breathing, um, not trying to push yourself that you need to get to a certain right. place. I felt some tools that had worked for me were obviously... Um, this is a miscommunication between sexes, right? Between a man and a woman. So initially what I needed to do, and with great advice from divorce care, was reaching out and starting to strengthen bonds of people of the same sex. So mm -hmm. for me, I'm a guy. I, I had to say, you know what? I am going to take a complete time out from relationship, 
sexual interaction, dating, because I know I'm not ready for that. I had to get to a point where I realized I'm not ready for that because mm-hmm. immediately it seems like a good idea. Your friends will tell you, oh, go meet this person. I set you up with this person. Well, really, you're setting yourself up for a harder fall during your divorce, especially through the holidays. Uh, so immediately strengthening my bonds with my male friends. Was that an easy thing to do as a male? It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. It's like asking... Guys aren't really jumping to talk about their feelings. <laughs> no. No, and and I've become that person, and, and on some level I've always have been a little sensitive. But how were you conditioned growing up? That's a good question. Yeah. How were you conditioned growing up and from your life experiences to suppress those? Generally, I... Me personally, I've always been able to kind of talk about sensitive stuff. But, you know, I've been around plenty of men throughout my life. And, 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 but when it got real serious, I think like this divorce, shame was really even preventing me from that experience. And it was telling me, you don't even deserve to have, if you can't make that uh, marriage last, how are you even going to make this relationship between your guy friends last? Mm-hmm. Everything's going to, you're going to, everybody's going to leave you. You're going to leave everything. You're not going to, you know. Sounds like your brain was really against you. Oh, man. It, it's just spiraling <laughs> out of control. But the initial response from your friends will be very surprised. Though, you know, it's always, you know what, we're here for you. If you need something, uh, give us a call. You'll find that your friends really try to include you and and then you really start to see what people are made of sometimes you might have some friends that you didn't think you would be very close with or you didn't think they were capable of these things Mm -hmm. and they really surprise you and that little experience starts gaining the inner experience of trust again yeah which you has been depleted by the experience Mm -hmm. and it's about planting these little seeds of trust and communication and self-care And reaching out, because I hear a lot of people say, I shouldn't have to. They should know. Like, sometimes people are uncomfortable. They don't know what to say. They they might think you want to be alone. But just saying, like, hey, I'm here. Here's another reminder I'm here. And giving that person the time and space to do what they want. Or to say, hey, I could really use someone to talk to. I'm going to sit here and sulk because nobody's contacting me. Or I'm going to pick up the phone and try. And And a divorce group really helps you establish... Uh, how to do some of that stuff, right? And, you know, I'm not sure. I think d- divorce care is an actual national thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are other groups, and there are other people who have been through divorce. So, Which is interesting. I have to give a quick um, background on that. Divorce care is, I think it's religious-based. Neither one of us are religious, but it happens to be at a non-denominational place. So just because there might be a fear of religious connotation, I didn't feel that it was press down your throat, so to speak, or that I think that there was an anger piece, there was a money piece, there was a child piece. So I would say to look for those communities and and try it. Right. Don't say that it's it's for me, it's or it's not for me. Seeking out and, and, and if you don't have friends that you trust or you feel can handle the situation, you know Finding a group like that still gives you that community. Yeah. Or yoga class. That's a community. Basically, any sort of positive community that has, you know, that's that's not in relationship to dating or online dating or any of that kind of stuff. Just getting yourself started in community 
which I didn't realize how much of an impact it was going to have, mm-hmm. it just start, it just it just start lifting me up from day one. Yeah. You know, that shared experience. How did it get you through the door the first time? What was in your mind that you thought, oh, this is a good thing to push myself? Sometimes I had to push myself to go. Well, I, it, it came from a really dark place. Um, and sadly, you know, our mind can go to the darkest place during a divorce. Shame um, can take you to a... a, a a conversation with yourself that you never even thought you would have. And sometimes this consists of, you know, whether you even want to continue to be alive on this planet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sadly that that's only a reaction to your misplaced love. You know, you feel like I can't, I have nothing to love. I have no one to give love. I have no one to give love to me. Why even be on this planet? And that thought really scared me. You know, and I, and I thought if I don't act, if I don't act now, this is the turning point in my life. I can go right and let this thing destroy my life and give in to all these false conversations in my head. Or I can go left and reach out and see if anybody grabs it. And you'd be surprised. You reach out, there's a whole community there. Of people, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. reaching out literally right towards you. It was very humbling. It was very emotional. It was very satisfying. Um, just on a human experience level. How about for the people <clears throat> right now who might be feeling that way, that there is no... Uh, oftentimes, depression has this sort of mask that people put on that they don't want others to know what it is that they're feeling. Yeah, I, I've spent a lot of time dealing with depression over the past 30 plus years and what I was great at was creating all these little masks and identities for everybody to say hey that identity is what I see of that person and he's good at that identity if you're good at an identity no one will ever ask what's really going on and we keep that stuff inside of us for years and the bad the bad thing about that is it will come out mm-hmm. it will come out and affect you emotionally physically psychologically um sometimes we don't know that it's even happening Mm -hmm. it it took me three decades to realize what depression was and to to get the information and the the words to even describe what you're going through Mm -hmm. you know that's a huge starting point um that that depression you know you you want to get to a point where you can realize we give it it's almost like a friend Mm-hmm. You know, and he's not a good friend. You know what I mean? And he's he's kind of making decisions for you, and you're really not running your life. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, you know, depression is is a systematic problem. It's like having a flat tire on a car. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's not the car. The flat tire is not the whole car. Your depression is not who you are. It's no different than having. I always make a re- uh, reference to diarrhea. You know, <laughs> <laughs> diarrhea. It comes, it is its thing, it does this thing, but you know that every time you, that that happens, you go back to normal and everything's okay. That's hard to conceptualize about uh, When you are depressed. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's a lot to go into it. There's a, there's a lot. Recognizing you have depression, recognizing when you're in a depression. You know, I've been in depression for uh, years at a time that I didn't even realize it was happening until 
I started all this other community stuff and the yoga and the therapy and the divorce care and surrounding myself with people and you learn, you start becoming more in tune with your your human experience, if you will, mm -hmm. you know, to notice like, hey, one day I'm smiling and then the next day I'm not, you start to ask yourself questions like, what is that and where's that coming from and am I choosing to let this happen and is there a different route that I can go from from uh, having to repeat the same patterns. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and stepping through the therapy door is a giant step, and sometimes people will say, I don't know, even know where to begin. All you got to do is make the call. All you got to do is reach out. Therapy is a process that kind of unfolds itself. You can't go in. You can go in with an idea of what you might like to work on, but you can't go in with the expectation of what's going to happen in there because however the therapist works, however you work, whatever is pulled from that interaction, you might have not seen coming like a million miles away. So some, I think for people that think, oh, I need to know what my agenda is, just try, just show up and, yeah. you know, see kind of what comes up. Therapy was, uh, you need, you need different perspectives in this life and you need the ability to bring in new information and change the way you think about your old information. You need that uh, capability as a human dealing with these things. Um, so, so you get a fresh perspective, you get new information, and you, all of a sudden you have a language that goes around this thing that you've been struggling with your whole life, A, that you thought nobody else goes through yeah you know there are professionals that are trained <laughs> you know in talking about these things and understanding the human response to going through something like a divorce or a separation mm -hmm. or a death in the family or whatever it might be and 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 how that stuff can all be triggered by different things such as holidays and uh, family experiences through the holidays yeah uh, so therapy was a real big eye-opener for me um, you know you want to at some point, you look back and you want to go, I owe it all to therapy, and I owe it all to yoga, and I owe it all to divorce care, but you really owe it to yourself mm. for finding the strength to persevere through these tough situations. You know, and persevering is continually understanding that things aren't going to be the same anymore. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Once you can get to it, it's okay. Understanding, because everything you do is okay. Yeah. However you are, if you're just sitting there, you know, maybe having some hot chocolate, watching some Christmas movies, and that's what you're going to do for the Christmas season, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine, too. You know, sometimes we need to lower our expectation yeah. and our anticipation. And, and creating that balance of, I'm not completely isolated, but I'm also taking time for myself. And if you are isolated, be honest with yourself, you know? say okay maybe this year i'm gonna do this and for five days i'm just gonna order pizza and watch movies and have beers that's okay as long as you realize that there's gonna has to be an end point to it mm -hmm. right so you can't feel shameful about the situation that you're in at the moment you kind of have to own it and maybe just set some time aside for it right yeah. so if christmas is gonna be like that okay i'm gonna be like this for a couple of days but December 2nd, I'm really going to make an attempt to get back on track. Self-awareness uh, and holding yourself accountable is a big part of healing through this process. Absolutely.
Well, thank you very much, Corey. Yes. That was very enlightening. Yes. And we'll have you back, I'm sure, at some point. Oh, Appreciate you. your your honesty because it's not easy, you know, talking about these things. But I think that the more we get that information out there, it norm it makes it, you know, more normal for people to have conversations with their family that they might not have had right. before. Right. So And like you said, opening the door to this is this not one thing is gonna cure everything for you, but taking that first step is taking you on to that path of being healed for sure. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to Conversations to Connect with Christy and Gretchen. If you like our show, want more information, and want to connect with us, go to our website at www.conversationstoconnect.com and follow us on Instagram. We hope this episode has given you some useful tips to create meaningful conversations in your life. If you feel like you would benefit from talking with a therapist, one resource is www.psychologytoday.com or you can contact your insurance company. See you next time.